Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello and welcome to episode 71, Travelling with Juliana Dever. Juliana, you may well know from the series Castle in the US. She played in that for nine years. And she also ran the well-known and award-winning travel blog Clever Dever Wherever. And also, she is now running her Clever Devil Wherever tours in Eastern Europe. Um, at the minute, I think she's in Georgia. So today, I'm joined by Juliana. We talk about all things travel, how she started in her career, how she started in travel, the travel blogging, what she's trying to do now with her tours, and how she splits her time between Portugal in, in Sintra and also LA. So fascinating chat. We talk about all types of things in travel, like the mentality of it, pre and post-COVID, the need and desire to go out there and travel all the time a bit like me and her as well and yeah a real good chat and I think you'll enjoy that one um, a fascinating insight in travel thanks for tuning in last week and also the Camino series yeah thanks for Kate coming on a real good chat as well and we've got loads of guests coming up for June and also July now so we're cracking on and trip wise I'm off to Lillooet Lake next weekend which is just past Whistler and Pemberton in the mountains it's about two and a half hour drive from Vancouver it's looking to be good weather we're going to camp by the lake and there's going to be no signal so I'll make sure I get the episode 72 out in time and schedule but you'll see no social media from me until probably Sunday night that I'm back so looking forward to that again it's more travel it's great hopefully get some content out there for you guys and also depending on how the weekend goes I might even do a cheeky episode on it also, don't forget to subscribe to my Patreon. I do do extra content on there, and I do re- release it regardless I have no patrons. Um, but if you sign up today, you'll get all the previous stuff that I've released. Um, so that's ad-free episodes, extra travel must-have feature, and stuff like that. So, yeah, sign up today, patreon.com, and Wigan It Travel Podcast will be on there. And I'm going to put another bonus episode out probably next two days. And also, there'll be another bonus episode in July. Watch out for that. Thanks for listening. Cheers for the support, and I'll catch you guys soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Win It Travel podcast, and this week I'm joined by Juliana Dever. Juliana is a professional actor, travel blogger, cultural tour curator, and has travelled to over 60 countries. Currently, Juliana is splitting her time between LA and Sintra in Portugal, and she regularly works with women in the Eastern European region to create small group cultural immersion trips. She also has the award-winning travel blog Clever Dever Wherever, which we'll also discuss today, as well as some of Juliana's personal travel. Welcome to the show, Juliana. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't get asked okay. that question a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it goes one way and that's it. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Let's all check in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm really well. Thank you very much. And where are you based at the minute? Right now? Uh, right now, I'm in Los Angeles, California, United States. Okay. Quite a few listeners from LA slash California, so... They'll be well averse to where you are. And what are you up to at the minute? What's your general day-to-day kind of Oof. work situation? 
Well, I'm getting ready to go on the road for several months. So um, right now it's, ooh, it's like just, it's wall to wall getting ready for these tours that I have. I have three tours happening, uh, Poland, Georgia, and Slovenia. And so right now it's just confirmations, checking in with my guests. And it's, uh, I feel like it's a bit nonstop right now. And do you run these tours yourself? I do. Yeah. I, oh, wow. uh, I, cur- okay. I curate them. I create yeah. them. I scout them. I put them together. I, I mean, it's all, I work with women in Eastern European countries. And so when I do the scouting, you know, I'm, I'm based off of also, you know, having them take me around, but, uh, I, it's my company. So I have yeah. the final say on what goes on the tour. And then I, I lead them because part of it is spending time with people and connecting them and sort of being that conduit. So, mm. It's amazing. It also can be um, a little bit exhausting to go from country to country to country. But um, so I just kind of have to try to uh, take care of myself a little bit, make sure I'm getting sleep and stuff like that. Yeah, because I guess like you can't, well, you, you can relax, but I must, you must be on edge because like you got to make sure everyone, everyone's all right. The next thing you're doing on day to day basis is all set in stone. It's all going good, right? You have to kind of like be on that sort of alertness, I guess. You know, it. <laughs> On the one hand, yes, I work, my guides, they're all local to the Mm. countries that I'm operating in. And they're more than capable of doing this without me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and so it's really good for me to, you know, step back a little bit and let them do their thing. And I spend more time connecting with my guests. Um, On the other hand, you know, I, I take responsibility for what happens on my tours. And so if I'm there with them, I'm available to, if something happens, you know, oh, mm. that place where we're supposed to have lunch, they suddenly don't have tables for us. Or, you know, we get to a hotel and there's no pillows. <laughs> like I still have to be there to make sure everything goes smoothly. So, sure. and I'm also, yeah, I I wish I could just say, hey, it's like one vacation after another, but that's not <laughs> the, ever the reality of travel. And I don't think that people always understand that. You're absolutely right. I think vacation is vacation. And I don't think travel is exa- is the same, especially mm-hmm. long form travel where it's maybe longer than two or three weeks where you. Yeah. People think that travel, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this as well. We get into your bio, but people think travel is every day is like doing this, doing that, seeing this, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it could be you doing some work on a laptop for a day just to get things up to speed. Right. People don't yeah. realize you take a day out of not doing stuff. And it's quite hard to get that across to someone who don't understand. Yeah. I, also, you know, you can also blame Instagram a little bit for that, right? Because we don't say, hey, today yeah. I'm, I am burnt out and I'm exhausted and I haven't been able to find any food and I'm, <laughs> I want to cry. Like, you're not going to put that on Instagram. True. <laughs> right? True. I wish there was like, more of that. <laughs> I know, but, you know, it's sort of a downer, but it's reality. Um, so, of course, people are never going to, people that have not, done it. And this is actually something that I had a really amazing discussion with because I do a, a a live show every week on my Facebook page. And I mm. had a fabulous guest, uh, Livinia Spaulding. She's a travel writer. And she has this gorgeous book uh, called Writing Away. And we so we were discussing it. She has a passage in there about travel being a brutality and wow. um, you're, how you're uh, tilted off your axis. And so everything, you know, if you wanted to have comfort, you'd stay home. But okay to be in these places where you're in different time zones, you don't maybe know anybody, you're not used to the lay of the land. Like these things are affecting your senses quite a bit. Um, And 
what I was talking about with her a little bit is, especially as, um, as Americans, and I know you were, you know, you had a little bit of that. We were going over the idea of the show about not having passports or this or that, you know, it is, it takes so it's everything that's truly going to tilt us off our axis. It takes a long time to get there by flight. It costs a lot of money. We don't have a lot of vacation days. And so it's much, it's much harder for us to just hop on a train and go somewhere. You know, we've got to really plan for this and maybe that's a year in the planning. And so to finally get there and then to, you know, put up on Instagram, I'm really tired. It seems like, well, you privileged jerk. Why don't you shut up and be grateful you're traveling? And the truth is it's okay to process those feelings because that does happen while you're traveling. Absolutely. You're totally right about that. That's an interesting thought. And it takes me back to a conversation I had with an American, actually. When I was in Borneo, I was, uh, we're in the middle of the rainforest, no, no internet. So this is the middle of the Borneo rainforest. And it's probably about a group of 10, 12 of us. And there's a couple Americans and one was actually with an Australian girl. And he, he was talking about, you know, growing up in America, it's, you know, going away is not a done thing, but he felt he had to get out there and stuff. And I said to him, you know, why, why don't Americans travel more? You know, like, because huge nation, um, prosperous nation, etc. But he said, the reality is people are scared, fearful, or a lot of people in America don't have a lot of money. He said, people think if you're from America, you have the income to go travel. But he was like, no, uh, a lot of people don't have that. And it's quite hard to get that across because like half the population does, doesn't even consider this as a thing. So I was quite taken aback by that. And I think yeah. a lot of people don't realize that. I, I, especially because I do try, I mean, I've traveled all over the world, but especially when you speak to Europeans, people from the UK, there's a lot of looking down your nose at ugh, untraveled Americans. And I think it's really unfair mm. because you do have the ability to hop on a plane and be just about anywhere in an yeah, hour. An if hour. you want to go yeah. somewhere, you want to go to Africa, you want to go to the Middle East, that's still only like six hours. Like some of that is, it's so far away and we mm. do not have vacation time. True. And it can be cost prohibitive. And so there's always going to be a population that travel isn't just not for them. It's not mm-hmm. something they're interested in, but there's a lot of people who would love to, and it's not within reach, not, not time, not, you know, financially. So I don't really think it's fair to categorically say, Oh, Americans, well, oh, it'll travel. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, we'd love to, we'd, <laughs> we'd really love to, you know, it takes us like a minimum of 12 hours, especially for me in Los Angeles to even get anywhere near Europe. So, you know, what I'm saying is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also it's crazy to think, I don't know if this is the same for you, but in Europe, so I'm going to Spain and the flight from London to Spain, only two hours, like you, like you just said, easy, but it only, yeah. cost, it only cost 20 US dollars one way. Exactly. <laughs> it's, Especially just it, even trying for crazy. us to get to Europe, if we're lucky, but $1,200, $1,800. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, and if you're a family, <laughs> true you're true, not going absolutely. anywhere you know yeah. so yeah crazy thinking and then also i think i maybe realize that more in canada because it's canada's just as big as a uh, us right so it's mm-hmm. you can't get anywhere cheap in canada even internally it's a uh, same sort of thinking really yeah. so i kind of realized oh yeah i can just go to france on a train mm-hmm. in two hours yeah yeah and i probably did appreciate <laughs> that as much <laughs> back yeah. in the day but tell listeners growing up in USA, where did you grow mm-hmm. up? And I'm quite intrigued by this conversation because I think I read a bio of yours that you weren't really growing up in a family that maybe advocated for travel. So where did where did you grow up? 
Yeah, so I grew up in the middle of the United States, uh, in uh, outside of St. Louis, Missouri, mm-hmm. and pretty much, you know, my family, for the circumstances that we were in, it was travel was really something that other people did. It wasn't really our family. Okay. So yeah, no one in my family had a passport. It wasn't very common. No one really had. My grandfathers had seen a little bit of the world during World War II, mm. but nobody had had specifically done it for leisure. Uh, so it was very, it was very foreign. The idea of traveling. Yeah, I think that's the same for mine. Very working class family, so never got the opportunity to ever go abroad. Even though I just said there about flights being that cheap, but I think back in the nineties. Yeah. wasn't as cheap as that, I don't think. No. Um, not as much as it is today. So, yeah, it was never really a thing. And even going away at home wasn't much of a of a thing. Did you ever travel outside of your state or did you ever go to different states? I did not. Oh, wow. <laughs> when I was When I was maybe, I want to say like eight, was the first time we even as a family went on a trip outside of my town. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it was even then it really wasn't a vacation. I don't know why it was so foreign to my family. So I grew up outside of St. Louis. The first time I went somewhere that was outside of St. Louis, it was to Chicago, Illinois. Ooh. And I must have been 16. It was on a road trip. And my mind was blown. I was like, <laughs> wow, there's buildings that are really tall. And it was. It's so crazy to me now to think that we wouldn't even explore our kind of immediate environs but again it just it wasn't I don't know if there was just not a curiosity if it was just it was very lower middle class you know we just go to work and then we come home and you know we don't we don't plan those things or we don't have Mm -hmm. enough time off to think about it I didn't go to London until I was 17 yeah (laughs) so that's only two hours away on the train right (laughs) and people might find that crazy I didn't even get on an airplane until I was 18. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's the same. This is crazy. I'm flying. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm trying to explain that to my dad, like, who doesn't have a passport, like, what it's like. And it's hard to relate. And he doesn't, he can't relate to it. I'm like, imagine like a really fast train, but in the air. But then you have have to get there like three hours early and show, yeah, it's just a complete Uh, different experience. It's a, it's quite a hard one to explain. Yeah, <laughs> because because where because where I'm from is quite a insular place. A lot of people don't mm. leave. Yeah, um, me and my friends were like, you know, if you to describe to someone from Norwich, oh, what does like New York look like? I didn't know. I didn't know where you'd begin. Like, how do you describe that? Like, yeah, imagine where absolutely. you where, where you're from, and you go to like New York, and you come back and tell like people around your neighbourhood who've never been. How would you describe New York? Like, how would you even go about it? it no, I I find it interesting. There's definitely it almost seems like there's two kinds of people that come from those very insular communities. And there's the one kind that has an awareness that the world is out there and they can't wait to go see it yeah, and get out of that small town. And then there's yeah. the others that are like, this feels really comfortable. I'm just going to stay here. It's fascinating. Like, I don't know what makes you one or the other type of person. If it's a DNA thing or, you know, how, what the luck of the draw is on that one. But I find it very interesting. The people yeah. that go and the people that stay. That's my next question, really. How did you <laughs> come to that sort of idea that actually I want to leave and explore the world? Because for me, I think probably where it turned was probably going to London and going to university. It's like, wow, you can just go to other cult- like see other cultures and do other, other stuff. So I was like, oh, maybe I should go out somewhere else. 
but yeah, yeah. How, did that, how did that feel for you like what was it was there a turning point was there maybe a conversation or a trip I think I was one of those people that was just born to see the world if that makes mm. sense like it's like a deep knowing um I feel like my biggest inspiration as a child was the Wizard of Oz and I always kind of think of it as a similar origin story. You know, you, I don't know if you've seen the movie Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, I have, um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I know it's rather iconic. It's also very American. Um, yeah. My dad loves it. Ah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, but it's such a great hero's journey. It, but it's, mm. it's this, you have a heroine, which is, you know, wonderful for young girls to see themselves in someone else. And she, you know, has this great imagination and this belief that there's like, you know, there's got to be something else out there. And then uh, she's plunked down in the middle of this vivid world where there's just, you know, just this yellow brick road in front of her one step to the next. And all of a sudden she meets friends from different cultures, you know, they're, you know, so there's a scarecrow and a tin man and they all come together with different strengths and they kind of go out and explore Oz. And it becomes this place where she finds an inner strength that she didn't even realize she had in defeating this wicked witch and rewarded with, you know, just this amazing opportunity to come to this incredible Emerald city. Right. And then go home with that knowledge that there's a whole world out there. And so for me, I would watch that movie every year and I'd be like, yes, yes, I can get out of this little Midwestern town, just like she was in a Midwestern town. Yeah, I kind of started to see tornadoes as a viable means of transportation. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, where will it take me? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and I'm also going to get amazing shoes. Like, <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. So I, I always kind of that was my role model growing up. I just I knew that there was something out there, um, and so. It really wasn't until I got a job with um, an airline and I had essentially free travel. Mm. And so I remember that the very first trip that I ever took, uh, it was to Madrid. Oh, nice. And so it was uh, and it was like, wow. <laughs> and and I think you probably I think most travelers relate to this, but it's that there's that moment where. This minute you start to see the world, your list of places that you want to see and experience gets longer. And the more you see, the more you add to the list. So that list never gets shorter because it's mm. just like and each time it's also, you know, it, it, how your brain works is like you need a little bit more to kind of get that next that hit of joy and fascination. And so you're like, well, now I need to go somewhere even more <laughs> foreign and I need to really put myself in a position to expand my thinking and learn from people. And so you just, you can't, you just don't stop. I think that defines the travel bug. I think what you just said there. Yeah. It pretty much is that. And I think I've got question, an interesting question for you actually. Mm -hmm. um, but before that, yeah, about being like this ingrained with, you just want to travel. As a bit of a late bloomer, I wouldn't say I was naturally like you, where like I just couldn't wait to go. It probably, probably took me to adulthood to realise that I probably do, I do want to do this. Have you experienced like that extreme culture shock where you're like, "Wow, this is like way out there. I'm going to stick with it. It's a struggle for a few days, and then you loved it." Like, was there one experience like that? You know, that's it's really funny because I've it's always been something that I've read about, and mm. yet 
again, like I, without getting like too woo, because I really don't even know where I fall on that particular spectrum, but I am fascinated with the idea of where you are comfortable and why, like, Mm. have I been around the world in other lifetimes? Like, why (laughs) is this not bothering me? (laughs) And so, yeah, I remember like the first time I went to, I'm going to say, was it when I went to Korea or I went to Japan and I read from people and I heard from people, you're going to experience such a culture shock. And I, I got there and I was like, not at all. And I don't know if that's from living in Southern California. I don't know if for, you know, for us, we have large populations of Asian communities and it just feels like that's my community. So when Mm. I'm just walking, you know, in, in Shibuya or I'm, you know, in some area of, of Seoul, and then what's also amazing is I went to a Mexican restaurant in Seoul because I love to go to Mexican restaurants in foreign countries because <laughs> yeah. we have some of the best Mexican food in the world. And so I always love to see what everyone else has done with it. And I, and there's like a Mexican restaurant run by a Korean family. And the, like the girl comes to take my order and she's like, hey, OK, so what can I get you? And I'm like, <laughs> am I? I'm in California. And she's like, no, she's like you know, I'm from California and, you know, my brother and I came back to open a Mexican restaurant and it was some of the best Mexican food I've ever had abroad. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no culture shock. This feels 100% normal. So, but I mean, that's a totally a side story, but I don't, I'm trying to think of moments where I think everything's just sort of a fun adventure. And I love mm. when stuff is different. I love learning from other people, how they do it. So it's never been, it's never been like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. It's mostly always just been, oh my God, this is so exciting. Mm, yeah, it's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah. I, when I was discussing this with someone else, they said that you only really get it once. And then all the other times are like, oh, I'm kind of had that before. I'm used to it. It's a different culture, but I've kind of got over that. And I asked my girlfriend here, Emma, she said that when we landed in the pool, must have been 2018 in Kathmandu, she said that was her real like culture shock moment where she even thought she probably can't do it the first two days and she got over it. And, carried on and loved it and didn't want to leave and I think for me yeah only once has happened in Bangkok but I think that's because when you live in Europe for example yeah you can go to Germany Spain Italy it's kind of the same it's not too Mm -hmm. different it's a different language but you've had Mm -hmm. pasta before you probably know Spanish (laughs) football and you know French like the south of France is like those little villages you just know you hear about it but when you land in somewhere completely different I think that can definitely get to you and I think it's worth if you listen to this it's worth kind of like maybe testing yourself to go somewhere completely different and see how you deal with it and how you think about it. Yeah. You've also probably heard the idea of like fear and excitement are two sides of the same coin. Mm. And so it's also worth realizing like, uh, what am I actually feeling? And is this, if it is fear, what am, what is it that I'm really afraid of? And, or can I, can I change my mindset around that instead of like, I'm afraid of this new experience. I'm excited about this new experience because it's the same exact like physiological feeling. Mm. You just have to kind of flip it in your mind so that you're not hyperventilating. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I agree. Yeah. I think you do it once and I, I can't, I can't even tell you the only time I had a real fear and that was, I've had, I've had fear a couple of times. Um, but I, I'm a pescatarian. I don't eat mammals. Um, and so, uh, and goats, I'm just, 
I'm hopelessly in love with goats. Anyone who actually really knows me knows they send me goat <laughs> videos all the time. I just, I, I'm like sometimes the mother of goats. You know, if I see a goat, forget it. I'm picking them up and snuggling them or playing with them. <laughs> and so I read up on Mongolia before I went. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. and, you know, someone said, someone had written a story about how when they got to a village, the uh, because they were considered an honored guest, they killed a goat and offered it to them for dinner. And, you know, they were like, oh, and you could hear the goat crying, uh, you know, and I was just like, I started to almost have, I was starting to have a panic attack slash almost nervous breakdown at the thought. I'm like, I, it's not a matter of hiding somewhere. <laughs> like if I even hear a goat cry in pain, I, I think you'd have to like, I'd have to go get mental health treatment and then I would have to be sent home. <laughs> <laughs> and that my personal choice to not eat meat because I love animals so much. I, I still recognize that as a privilege because mm. there are parts of the world. And if you go to Mongolia, I don't know if you've been, but they, they're, they don't have fertile land. They have very, they have to import their vegetables from Russia, from China. Um, there's not a lot of farming there and they don't have a lot of options for sustenance. So the fact that I have an abundance of options, options, and I have the privilege to say, I won't eat that. I, I don't take that lightly. So I'm not going to go into another culture and, and judge, but it doesn't change the feeling that me personally, that would be a culture shock. That would actually just be, um, that would just hurt my soul because I love goats. But I, I think, you know, to have the awareness of that difference is also valuable when you go into another culture. Yeah. You tell you what, I, I am vegetarian, so I don't eat meat. So I'm actually the same as you. I am vegetarian at home because it's easier and it's privileged. But you've got to understand if you go to Japan or Vietnam and you have their food, they're probably going to use fish broth. So if you're like even a vegan, I mean, you're going to struggle to find anyone that's vegan. You're going to have to accept that even the broth has got mm -hmm. an element of, of fish in it, right? So that's not really going to change because that's the base of their whole culinary culture, right? Mm -hmm. since, since, yeah. since day one. So it's a movement that is is great. And I, I'm fully, I fully endorse the whole like vegetarian and vegan movement, but it is to a certain point, I think, because certain cultures just wouldn't, would never overhaul the whole culture of that to try and get on board. But there's definitely yeah. ways to be like farming correctly and not like, factory farming and stuff like that. It's definitely ways to improve that, definitely mm -hmm. for sure. I've got a great photo for you, actually. I'm, yeah. I, I was in the pool and we done our trek, the photo behind me that you can see. Is that Annapurna? Uh -huh. Yeah. And our guide said, look, we'll, we'll go a different way back. I was like, okay. He goes, I'll take you through the back, the back streets. It's like the back hills, <laughs> mountains. <laughs> and they're like, okay, fair enough. And we were going through these like small paths. And then we bumped into a farmer and he had like two or 3,000 goats. <gasps> and I said to our guy, I said, what's happening here? He goes, well, there's a huge goat festival happening in the week. And he's traveling from his village to the goat festival. And I've got this, I've got this um, picture of me like trying to get on this like step to avoid the goats. They're all coming through and they're all barring at, at each other. And yeah, I'll send you that photo because I think you'll like that. It's just like a... A herd of goats it took like 20 minutes to get past them so yeah i think Aww. you'll like that <laughs> oh my gosh i love it any yeah people send me they tag me and go videos on instagram like send me <laughs> stuff all the time i the pictures i have like entire files on my in my lightroom it's just juliana with goats <laughs> <laughs> any goats i can I can get to. I'm just excessively happy. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll send you that photo. I think you'll, okay. you'll appreciate that. <laughs> and also, linking back, we said a bit before about you getting a job with Trans World Airlines. Mm -hmm. uh, that must have been almost a dream to get have you know free travel and you get to travel the world. 
I mean, you must have loved it. And I guess the reaction maybe have been surprised, maybe at home, right? That you're going to go off and do this job, but also travel the world. Yeah, I'm trying to recall, really. I think at the point that I started working there, I was already out on my own. And for the most part, the one downside, especially at the time that I was working there, um, the pay was awful. Like, (laughs) and so I'm trying to remember, like at the time, my family was really uh, happy about it because I didn't travel internationally, but I could hop on a plane to say New Orleans, which is two hours. And it was, uh, I could go there for lunch and come back for dinner. I could, we, we had a nonstop from St. Louis to Hawaii. So my, my parents were like, this is amazing. We would go to Hawaii for, you know, 48 hours. So for a lot of it, they, and they, my benefits extended to them, you okay. know, they got like, nice. they, I, for them, it was, I want to say it was like $10 and it was all standby, <laughs> but still. Wow. So, <laughs> You know, it was for it was amazing. And so as I started getting a little bit braver and flying a little bit further and then, you know, I think they were sort of excited by the idea. Mm. Uh, But I think it's always been like this gradual, like, you know, okay, a little bit more. okay, a little bit more. (laughs) So when I like, okay, I'm going to move to California, they were like, whoa stop this um, that's so dangerous. you know, but I think at this point it's taken a, it's been a very long, slow adjustment, but you know, my husband and I recently bought a house in uh, Portugal and, and my mom is just like, okay, I'm moving. <laughs> so, you know, you, it's like, you kind of have to condition everybody around you. And then they finally come along for the ride, you know, if they have any kind of flexibility at all. Mm. And yeah, talking to Portugal, what's the thinking there? How come you bought a house there? You know, it's, um, I I think my husband and I always saw ourselves retiring or living a chapter of our lives abroad. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it, it seemed like, uh, and it's also nice to have options. Uh, so the idea of being able to get a place in Europe and then also have that time spent there, that investment there become a road to European citizenship is, you know, something that for us, and even as actors, there's quite a bit of work that has moved over to Europe. There's a lot of filming, even of things that you see on Netflix or Hulu, and you'd be surprised like, oh, that's filming in Serbia or that's, you know, filming here. So, you know, it's like the idea of getting to have that change Mm. is very, it's something that's for us, it really feels a very like a very natural next step. Um, we feel very, very comfortable in Europe. I mean, we're 100% European descendants. Mm-hmm. You know, his family's still in Ireland. Um, I'm, you know, like 50% Polish and then I'm, you know, English and Irish. So for us, like we have family there. It's still very cultural, you know, but we're big Eurovision fans. Very excited about next week. <laughs> All right. <okay>. Um, <laughs> we're kind of, we're kind of like ridiculous aficionados. I think, uh, I think England might even make it to the left side of the column this year. Kind no, of, you know, might no be chance. interesting. Those days are gone. <laughs> well, there's some political issues at play there too. Indeed. But, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like we're very, very comfortable in Europe. We're always l- learning other languages. You know, I run tours in Europe. So mm. for us, the idea, and I'm also, I'm terrible at staying in one place for very long. 
So it just never seemed like an option to just live my life in one city, like for the rest of my life that I don't think I could do it. So yeah. I think I'm the same. I think I've been here three and a half years in Vancouver too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm already getting it's, it feet, starts to so, feel like you start to yeah. feel like, ah, uh, <laughs> saying too much. Yeah, there's, plan, yeah. there's plans in the, uh, in the pipeline to get moving again. But yeah, I think I'm definitely the same. I, it's actually quite frustrating because I wish I could be in one place and accept it, but I just don't think I ever can. Yeah. And and then what happens then, like in terms of like work and earning money and obviously travel will take care of itself. But yeah, like can you even buy a property? Like it's just a it's just a bit of a nightmare for me. Like I don't really have a home, if you like. Yeah. Um, which is a real struggle. I do ask that question. Do you do you feel like you have like one home or do you feel like a bit of a citizen of the world where you just like to travel and be in one spot for a period of time and then move to another? Yeah, I don't, I'm not a very sentimental person. Okay. Um, and I also don't have, like where I was born and raised, I never felt like I was part of that community while mm. I was in it. So to leave was not um, difficult at all. And I, I don't really get my homesickness pretty much it, it, when I am gone is, I just like for my husband, like he's, you know, like we are like such a great team that I miss him. I miss my dogs. But as long as I have that anchor, I'm not anchored by place. I'm anchored okay. by by uh, human connection. And maybe mm. I miss my dogs. So for me, it's different. Like I thrive in situations where I can make friends, make new friends, check in with old friends. But where in the world that is doesn't much matter to me. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, the whole like homesick thing happens rarely once or twice, but that maybe is because of an, of an event maybe happening, not really like the actual place itself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally the same. I don't feel like it was a big thing to leave. It's actually, yeah. it's, it's actually quite easy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. When I got to, yeah, 23, when I was finished my degree, and I think two years prior, I was like, yeah, I'm going. When I was on that bus to London and then on the flight to Bangkok, I was like, this is totally the right thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You almost feel a sense of relief. the amount of times I've left my home and then arrived somewhere. I'm like, oh. and so, somehow I feel so much more at home, even in places I've yet to yeah. ever been. But just even <laughs> getting to crossing the border or getting to the airport. And I'm like, oh, this feels good. And I'm like, like, I remember one time, speaking of being a Eurovision fan, there was a period of years there where my husband and I went to every contest in person. Wow. And I remember getting to, um, getting to Denmark. Maybe it was like we, we were in the, in the air, airport. And I remember landing and he just, we walked out and he turned to me and he's like, ah, God, it just, wow, it feels so good to be in a Scandinavian country. I, like, it was just, <laughs> you know, like, I don't even know exactly what it was. I, I, it's just, there's this odd feeling of relief to have a change of scenery or to feel a sense of, of being at home in a place you don't even know. It, I mm. can't describe it to someone who doesn't also understand because it's, your brain just works different, I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And people love the home comforts, right? I'm yeah. definitely not that. Yeah, Denmark was an interesting one for me. I felt because I'm Scandinavian, you know, talk about ancestors, right? Yeah. Uh, I think mum done the ancestry test and she's like 75% Scandinavian. Wow. And I was like, 
which makes sense from where we are in the country, from where yeah, we're from. Yeah, yeah. And I was absolutely. like, Denmark, yeah, this is me. This feels like me. And it, it, I guess historically, DNA and all that stuff, it does, it is home. But yeah, absolutely, just felt like home. Oh, this is great. This feels like very comfortable. Yeah. But yeah, even in the out there places like Nepal or even in somewhere like Laos, like you would, even that's like, oh, I do feel comfortable here. I, I can deal with it. And yeah, yeah. I, it's hard for people to understand that who don't maybe travel as much. Just even for some reason, I really kind of thrive at being out of my depth, yes. which is something, yes. I mean, for, um, it's, it's great for an ego killer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. right. But it's like, there's something for me, I love, I just, I thrive. I love the challenge. I love the idea of uh, like finding new and unique ways to connect with people when we don't speak each other's languages, even, you know, mm. I just, it's a joy to me. So I, I love the, I love figuring out how to navigate new places. That actually brings me some sort of weird comfort. And for most people, that is a nightmare, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, like, Oh God, no, I would never do that. I think the saying is, is that comfort is the thief of joy. I think that's the same. So I think that really probably appeals to both of us here, but that's definitely me. Yeah. And that even, that that even comes to even traveling. I'm like, do do I really want to go to Italy? Well, I do, but like, rather go somewhere a bit more extreme and do it. Well, you know what? It's funny because I I think this is one of the issues with my tours. Um, And when I say issue, I guess, I mean, when I first started creating my tours, the first one I ever did was to the country of Georgia. And, um, you know, for a lot of people, especially again in the United States, yes, there are the people that that don't travel because of the time or the costs um, being a cost prohibitive. But there's also people who unfortunately don't have a lot of curiosity about the rest of the world um, or know that it's out there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then, but you know, like there's so many people who just hadn't even heard of Georgia. Like even Mm. when I said I was going, they're like, I have some great restaurants in Atlanta. You're going to (laughs) love, but it was this idea of realizing when I got there, just how, like I always, I lived in Russia and I, and, and so I would go to Georgian restaurants, which is how I first kind of became aware of it. Mm. And I, I didn't know either. There's a point when we all don't know. I don't mean to be arrogant whatsoever. It's just, you know, when I finally did go there and I had been, I had my eyes on it for like a decade, it was more than I could have ever imagined. It was, mm. it was just one of the most soul fulfilling experiences. And I thought, this is where I, I, this is not an easy place to get to. It's really not set up for tourists. Um, you know, they don't have a really an infrastructure. I'm going to bring, I want to create a tour to connect people who have that cultural curiosity to all of these amazing people that I've met and kind of, you know, bring them together. And so I, I, I did that first tour to Georgia and then I was like, oh, and then I was in Slovenia and I met the most world's most amazing guide. And I know people don't really, they're like Slovenia, huh? Why don't you go to Italy? <laughs> and so then, and then I started a tour to Poland and I'm, and so I've had in the last week or two, I've had close friends be like, why can't you just do a tour to Italy? Why can't you just do one to France? And I'm always like, that's so mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, yeah. and now I'm, but I'm starting to question my own, like, why do I make it so hard on myself? Like for people who don't get to travel often, you know, going to the caucuses is probably not on their bucket list. It <laughs> it's like, you got to start yeah. somewhere, start somewhere that people have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> I just that, have such a hard time doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally the same in that area of the world, the caucuses and also the stands, like 
just a little bit east of there. Mm -hmm. So Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and all the above. It's something I've learned more about probably the last month from guests who've been there and told me about places mm -hmm. that are amazing. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. And now I'm constantly learning about these places and, and they sort of like creep up the list, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I spoke to two guests who've been to each hundred countries each, and they both said weirdly that if they told anyone to go anywhere, it'd be Georgia or mm -hmm. uh, that area there, Armenia mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. or the stands. Mm. I'm like wow like out of anywhere that's where you choose and i think it's because it's off the beaten track it's probably not as mainstream yeah probably, probably still a bit raw it's it's very appealing but i guess some people just want to go to italy and eat pasta which is absolutely fine in itself but yeah and that's yeah. that's the thing like again if you're in the united states you might only take two or three trips in your lifetime true you want to see the eiffel tower i, I can't yeah, yeah. fault that at all no, i can't you know not. i think it's amazing paris is gorgeous Mm. just incredible city i just like i think once you start seeing the world you you just like it just something and you cracks open and you just want to you just want to keep going yeah so i realize sometimes my tours are they can be kind of a hard sell <laughs> that's why some <laughs> of my friends are like can you just pick a normal place <laughs> i'm like maybe i should <laughs> i'll tell you what that would not be a hard sell for me no way i'll be straight in there <laughs> I'll tell you one place that I've been to where I do get asked a lot of questions just because of the, of the times is Ukraine because I've been there mm -hmm. a very long time ago now, ten, over 10 years ago. People want to know what it's like, obviously, now before what's happened. And yeah. it's like they're very intrigued. And we did go to the, like the next in the east, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, we, me and my friend who'd done the road trip there from London to the next took like four days of driving. Oh, wow. We talked about that trip and we just sat there going, wow, like we've not really talked about this for eight or nine years. And it's... Mm -hmm. It's just like a bit chilling, really, like talking mm -hmm. about it, how how great the people were. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's like kind of devastating to see what's happening, right? But yeah, so those that yeah. out there places people do want to know about. And I had some people message like, oh, that's amazing to hear about that. Hopefully we can go there like in a, obviously, much more in the future when it all settles down. <laughs> right. But has that had an yeah, impact was... on, on like your tours? Yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, um, you know, because I have, so I have three tours this summer. And the first one is to, well, actually I have four. I have, well, I have two to Poland yeah. and then one to Georgia and one to Slovenia. And, um, you know, definitely the two Poland tours and the Georgia tour, those have been impacted quite a bit because, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, my guests are trying to weigh, is this safe? Is this something we should do this year? I've also had the concern come up of, should we be, having fun when people mm. are clearly suffering. Um, and so it's been more of a challenge to fill those tours. You know, some of my guests have been like, you know what, I'm just going to move to the 2023 tour just to be safe. And I, you know, again, I understand you most, while I do have European guests and Canadian guests, you know, but our North American guests, they're kind of like, this is so much effort to get there. It's not as easy for us to get home. Maybe we'll mm. wait till next year. Um, you know, it's been a range of emotions going through from the time it started February 24th to now, but I keep in constant contact with my guides in both Georgia yeah. and in Poland. And, you know, even though like, for instance, Poland, you know, they've got at least what, 3 million refugees at this yeah. point. And to address the, the concern of why should we travel when people are suffering, I am not going to negate anybody's personal feelings about that. So if, if you feel like it's a time for you to stay home, 
then that's what you need to do for yourself. Um, yeah. On the other hand, you know, unfortunately, someone's always suffering. And this, 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 you know, social media world, this 24-hour news cycle world, we are keenly aware of it at all times if we mm. choose to be. And I, I think one of the most important things that we can personally do is not allow ourselves to be constantly weighed down by this mantle of suffering. Um, because if there, if we don't find ways to be happy and to have joy, we can't, we can't come at things with fresh, joyful eyes of like, I can dig in, I can help. I know mm. what I can do. If we're all just unable to get out of bed anymore <laughs> because we've piled yeah. on everything that's happening. Cause I've certainly done that. Um, then we're not actually helpful or trying to bring the, the joy level back up. I also think travel, what we do when we travel matters, it's so important. And to there's nothing like the experience of being in situations where you can speak from a place of experience. So being in Poland where it is still safe. I mean, honestly, we don't know. We don't know if we're going to be safe next week. We don't, none of us know. Mm. Um, But to be in Poland and to actually be able to, you know, have somebody from Ukraine that's resettled there and maybe, you know, we'll be able to hire them to be the photographer for the tour and give them a job and to be able to be firsthand and maybe bring some things over that they, that are possible or direct our money there. And not to not supporting travel right now, isn't the answer either because, you know, there's been two years of, of these, of this industry getting hit so hard and people in tour, it's not, not just, you know, it's not just direct, like maybe a hotel, but like, if you think about a restaurant and then the suppliers, and then, you know, even the people who wash the sheets for the restaurant or the hotels, and now there's no turnover. It, I mean, it, the implic the ripples are crazy. It's and crazy, a lot of yeah. families are, with my tour specifically, we connect with local family businesses, women owned businesses, particularly. Hmm. So like, I don't go to chain hotels. I don't do um, corporate things. So I like even the starting hotel that that we use in Gdansk is, you know, a Polish guy who trained in hospitality in Germany or Switzerland. I can't recall. And then he comes back and his dream is to have a hotel in his home city and, you know, build his life around that. And so, you know, we stay there. So for us to take that money that he's using to have autonomy and create something away isn't actually the answer either. And then he can't help Ukrainians either because now he has no income. So, Mm. yeah. It's just, it's multifaceted and I could go on and on, but, you know, I try to address these things with my guests, like, you know, you have to do what's right for you, but as long as we are safe, the better option is to continue with this because we'll connect with people. We'll be closer to what other people are experiencing and and we can bring those stories home and have more empathy and find ways to help, you know, so. Empathy is key. I think there's so many great points you made there. I think one I want to touch on is that, Let's imagine um, Ukraine, for example. Let's it all it all stops, settles down, everything goes back to normal ish. They're going to need to obviously help rebuilding the country. We know that. But what's the next thing they're going to need? They probably want people to come and visit the country to invest in the local economy, right? Mm-hmm. But not only does it give money, it gives connection, and that's human connection. And the personal experience of that in Ukraine was when we went to Ukraine in twenty twelve. There's a documentary from the BBC, quite shamefully actually, mm-hmm. who portrayed Ukrainians predominantly a racist uh, culture over there for football because it's a football tournament soccer if you like and that scared people from going i can't believe this anyway we went and the first thing when we got in the country and we got to this night we stumbled upon this log cabin 
like a campsite really and there's a wedding there and the locals were speaking to us in limited english they like got a bottle of vodka out and said hey look look we know about this documentary it's not true like here's a bottle of vodka to say that no we love everyone please come and visit but you've got to drink this bottle of vodka like yeah yeah okay <laughs> but like, they're so welcoming like and it I was yeah like, oh, okay like yeah that documentary was ab- absolutely rubbish really yeah I, it's like the mark twain quote about travel being the uh killer of prejudice i know it's yes, not killer it. and yeah, everyone yeah, who's yeah, listening to this is like yeah. oh, they're shouting it at me <laughs> B- right bigotry, now bigotry prejudice yeah and it, 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 but but it's yeah. true and and you know like my mom has a friend who's who you know is just constantly she's just like oh tell julie not to go to portugal because you know putin controls it and i'm like okay but if you traveled you'd know that actually it wasn't correct <laughs> um or you know you really shouldn't go to georgia because it's really dangerous there and i'm like okay i go there all the time so i can tell you firsthand mm-hmm. that what exactly. you are saying and spreading is incorrect and so yeah. It's not just a, a, a prejudice. It's, and I, I mean, a very much with the root of the word, like this preconceived idea of what someplace is. Once you go there, you can come home and be, and, and tell your, your, you know, people in your community, no, we have to care about this. And it's so yeah. much when you actually experience something and you have, now you have like, through my travels, I have Ukrainian friends and they, some of them are in Tbilisi and it's like, oh, I, as soon as I go, I have to go and support her because she's making handicraft to, for the Ukrainian, you know, it's like you, you suddenly are in a position to connect so much more with our fellow humans. And I think that's so much more important than doing us, them. And I don't want to know. And here's yeah. what I already know about this country, even though I've never been there. Like, <laughs> yeah. How many times do you hear that? <laughs> I know. And I'm like, yeah, what are scary. you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that is a bit scary, isn't it? I guess that's people who just guess watch the news all the time. Yeah. Or listen to it's, it. It's a yeah. dangerous thing. Dangerous thing. Don't, don't do too much of that. Just keep high level and then move on yeah i want to actually hear about more about your tours actually we'll go into your uh tour company because i think that's really amazing what you're doing but just before that you have, you've actually traveled to over 60 countries mm-hmm. and probably over what 25 years yeah yeah wow. it's super crazy now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like how did this happen not the 60 countries part the 25 years like where does the time go <laughs> it, yeah it's interesting time isn't it yeah, I feel like I don't know if you feel like this that that I'm constantly not doing enough of travel, but but that, you know factors come into yeah. play: money, jobs. You have to uh, unless you're yeah. rich, you're gonna have yeah. to like get some money, right? But you got to realize that's a privileged thing to do. So I need to keep that on top of my mind. Yeah, I've got some funny quips here, just very quickly. Okay, you mentioned Georgia about having dinner with that family who sung folks folk songs at a party. I guess that's like a family that you've met in Georgia, a local family, and you're singing songs. Allow me to clarify that that yeah. is not a singular instance. Oh, okay. If you go to Georgia, <laughs> oh, you will thing, inevitably, so <laughs> minimum of two or three times, sit down in a restaurant or and people will start singing. Like, oh. this is not an isolated incident. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Georgians are one of the most musically inclined uh cultures that I've been around like the first time it happened I was um I was sitting at a restaurant in Tbilisi and a table over in the corner there's uh several men singing in you know they call it polyphonic singing and they're singing in all these different harmonies usually sometimes there's eight but I'm like is it like someone bringing out a birthday cake what's happening here (laughs) (laughs) and then you realize no they're just at dinner they just decided to break into song and it's um it happens so many times that I realized this isn't even manufactured. And I realized just like, 
the resilience of that country because they have been through so much. And yet that it's just so very germane to their culture that they love these spontaneous moments of, of singing, of dancing. It's, it's just, it kind of wraps you up. It's so captivating. And so I'm always sure to put our, put my group in situations on our, on my tour where that will also happen for them. And it's not very, it's not very hard to do. <laughs> no, it sounds pretty easy. That's an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> and is that what like that, that culture there made you think, okay, I'd love to take people here to experience it. Well, you know, the first, the first, my first experience with Georgian culture was in when I was living in um, Moscow, I was going to school there. And uh, my husband had gone to school as well, both as actors, we attended the Moscow Art Theater. And uh, he was like, you got to go to this ethnographic restaurant. I, I don't know, like on Arbatskaya Street. And it's Georgian. And again, I was like, Georgia, what's that? This is this is like in the mid 2000s. And um, I go to this restaurant and it's created, it's set up where it's like little wooden villages, but each like little hut is a table, a diner's table. Mm. There's a stream running through it. And then, you know, people are dancing through with their chohas and their like, and the food. Oh my God, the kachapuri and the cheesy bread, the, the <laughs> badri sweet, which is one of my favorites. This is eggplant with walnut paste oh. and pomegranates. Wow. And I, you know, like you can just see like the circle. I'm like, I must go to this country. <laughs> so I, I really had my sights on it for a very long time. So I, when I finally did get to go in 2017 was the first time. Oh, okay. Um, Cause it wasn't, you know, in 20 it's 2007 when I first became aware of the culture and, mm. you know, they were invaded uh, in 2008 with Russian aggression uh, yes, at I'm, that I time. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that. so yeah. it really wasn't a place that was um, inviting for tourists mm. for quite a while, but by, I think around, you know, 2015, 2016, it, it was a place that you could kind of show up and start, you know, exploring. And uh, so when I went in 2017, it was just kind of at that cusp where they were like, yeah, we're getting tourists. And, and I, I, I had a preconception going in that it was going to be amazing. And it, I, it's just blown out of the water. It was so much more, so much more. I was like, I, I can't just write about what to do when mm. you get here. There's a lot of people whose lives would be so enriched by this experience and it's not a place that for a great deal of people is very accessible, mm. you know? And yeah. so I want to, I, as I was saying earlier, as we talk like this is, uh, this was just, it's too amazing to not excite other tourists to come to. So that's, that's how the whole thing started. Okay. And before you started doing your tours, you were blogging, right? With your, I was, yeah. Clever, I, dever, wherever. Correct. Com. Yeah. And yeah. you won an award. I believe I won several. I won several. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I won a, I won several awards, uh, silver medals, gold medals for a lot of my articles and then a gold medal for best, uh, tra- independent travel blog. That must've been like a, like a full circle, right? If you get an award like that, it must just make you feel proud that you've got to that point because it's, it's a lot of work, isn't it? Blogging. Um, uh, it's, it is an exorbitant. Yeah exorbitant amount of work and again i don't think when you're just looking at people like watch me watch me by the pool or whatever look <laughs> at this this platter of floating food everyone's like oh my god that's a dream job and i'm the burnout is real you know mm. and it's a lot of work um so to get an award and it was by the 
uh, North American Travel Journalists Association. So, you know, a very legitimate yeah. association to get it from. It was it was definitely it felt good that I think more than anything, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even go. Oh, that was so gratifying. It was it was so nice to realize because bloggers often work alone. Oh, yeah. You spend a lot of time isolated and that very thing that you love so much about travel, meeting people, experiencing things, 75% is going back home and looking at your notes and writing and rewriting and editing photos. And you are, you have no one to bounce anything off of and you're just isolated. And then you put it out into the world, you hit publish and you don't know who's going to read it and who's going to care. Mm -hmm. And so for someone to read it and go, Hey, not only were those long hours of you writing things, we know, we like not acknowledge that you did this, that it exists. Yeah. Cause sometimes you're like, is this just in my head? Yeah. But, is that this. but I, <laughs> yeah, but also good work. This is actually great writing. I mean, for travel journalists association to, to evaluate my work amongst a lot of other amazing writers and to go, this is worthy of some of the best travel writing this year. I mean, it's like, okay. And then I was like, drop the mic. I'm done. I'm not writing anymore. <laughs> It was, it was kind of like that. It was, um, I mean, now a lot of what I do for my blog, I have a weekly show on Facebook on my Clever yeah. Dever Wherever Facebook page. And then I, I make sure and transcribe that. And it's always extraordinarily helpful stuff. I try to provide a lot of value. But to sit and write is just something I, I just can't. It's so painstaking. And, you know, I, I, I find so much more value in being with people. Mm. than just sitting alone at home <laughs> you know that's a, that's a valid point and do you think blogging has changed now like we're talking right now right what, what mm. i mean by that is the culture we're in today let's talk about social media let's tiktok for example what 10 20 second clips i mean are those people really going to read i don't know 10 minute blog about where you've been yeah, like, I, I is, think... it, is it still a thing or has it changed do you think i honestly think i think that's another reason why i stopped writing long form narratives was you know, it's so much to pour your heart into. And if you want to craft a beautiful article that's also very helpful, that's great. But to publish it on your own blog um, and then realize you have to have so much SEO for anyone to even find yes. it. Yeah. And then and so it feels like an inordinate amount of work with very little return because people aren't people are not in a headspace right now to sit down and read. They, mm. they want to digest media. They yeah. want to see images and totally fair like the world is so inviting it's mm. so beautiful and the interactions and the food you want to you don't want to read about it you want to see something that's so colorful that you can almost smell it or taste it and then go out and do it yourself so it, i'm not saying print is dead by any means but on a personal blog the effort that you have to put into trying to even get someone to read it it disconnects you from what you why you started in the first place for me you know it's very interesting so, that. Yeah. How, how many blogs were you writing, I don't know, a week or month before, maybe up, up to that awards, like on average, do you think you want, was it one a week or was it two a week? I was like, trying to do one a week. Yeah. And it was a pace I couldn't keep up with. My writing tends to be like humorous, but also um, I try to find a lot of value and facts to bring to it so that people could maybe glean something from it, maybe be mm. entertained, but also duplicate it. Um, and those, I uh, would take me so much more. They would take me a uh, several weeks oh, and, yeah. you know, so it was, 
it was a little too much. And I, and I know there are people out there that loved reading my writing, but it was, it was so hard. <laughs> like, and I don't think people yeah. realize how hard it is to write a quality story, That's you know, it. like 1800, 3000 words, like how long yeah. that actually takes. And I would write at a minimum. I would do a first draft. Then I would go back and like, okay, what, and what you start writing about isn't always what you end up writing about yeah. because through writing the very act of writing, when you really get hooked in, like things start coming to you and it's actually, it's quite like acting. It's that storytelling where it almost feels divine and all mm. these things come out and you realize I wanted to start a story to say this, but I really found out that what I wanted to say was this. Then you go back and you redo it, but then you want to connect the beginning to the end and kind of sprinkle some conclusions. You know, there's a kind of a, a structure to it that you want to adhere to. And now you need to edit it for clarity or grammar and, you know, I'd edit it like three times and then send it to an editor that I paid to uh-huh. go through. And it's like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I, I tip my hat. I really do. Like Congratulations on the, on the awards. But I really tip my hat to you because I really set podcasts because I can't write. That's my central mm. truth. People might say, no, you can. I'm like, I think there's a certain art in creating a sentence that makes it yeah. interesting, but also factual. It's just something yeah. that people have or, or, or works really hard towards. I don't think it's something you, you can blag really, hence the name yeah. of the podcast. But yeah, I, I just think there's certain people who can do it really well, like yourself. And I read your bio on Podmatch. I was like, wow, that's quite, that's a really interesting, like you're, you're telling me almost about your stories, but not too much where I'm hooked in, but also where you've been. And it's just really interesting to read. I, I, I kind of wish I could, I, I could write like that. I think writing books is different. I think that's mm-hmm. a different kettle of fish, but doing blogging, so many people said to me, yeah, I'll just stop blogging because it's just too much. For it's a little too much. Reward. And then it's it, it, there's a certain almost inequity to it, knowing that you need to write for SEO, okay. uh, you know, yeah. and it almost taints what you're trying to share. Because if you're if you have a flair for writing or a linguist or you love language and it's like, oh, but I got to say this word yeah. 16 times and now I feel like a robot wrote this or, you know, and you're just like you know, Google crawling your website kind of <laughs> makes you write for Google instead of an audience. And you're just like, oh, forget it. <laughs> I'll just take some video. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, the video, isn't it? In terms of travel blogging very quickly, I, I don't know if you know Nomadic Matt. He's an American blogger, mm-hmm. travel blogger. Yeah. And he is someone that I guess a lot of people in the industry would know. Mm-hmm. Also, there's another travel blogger, Drew Binsky, who's more video-based. Mm-hmm. Now they're, they're about ten years difference in age, I think. Uh, Drew Binsky is mm-hmm. kind of similar to me in terms of age, but so like it's like old school, new school, right? Old school is yeah. Nomadic Matt. He started blogging in that era where it was really a big thing, probably like maybe the same as you. Yeah. And now Drew Binsky gets. Like, he was before my time for sure. Oh, I was he? Okay. Twenty fifteen. But... Oh well, yeah, yeah. He's he's a bit before that, right? Twenty ten. Yeah. Yeah, like twenty two thousand seven or something. Like he's yeah, one of yeah. the original old school bloggers. You know, yeah. he was an early adopter. And even now he stopped blogging. I think he he done a blog the other day that I'm just going to stop. Yeah. And like Drew Binsky's got like 5 billion views on YouTube. Like they're both equally great in what they do, but it's just like the old school, new school, right? Of society. Yeah. It's quite interesting to to analyze. But I do a newsletter every week because I just can write about this podcast episode. I'll be writing my notes about you know, some of the things you said and how I liked it and stuff. But yeah, doing the blog, really tough, really tough. Mm-hmm. I think podcasters now maybe like it's another form of blogging. It's just mm-hmm. talking about it instead of writing about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Easily just like listen to as they're doing other things. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. And I think it's a medium that's only going to increase. Mm-hmm. But like blogging, there's millions of, uh, of podcasts to listen to, especially in the popular subjects. So yeah. you really got to work hard to 
to get anywhere and trust me the hours i put in is ridiculous yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know <laughs> and everyone's like give me everything for free and you're <laughs> yeah. like okay but i also need to eat food yeah, can, can, can <laughs> someone buy me a coffee for five dollars really yeah nice. can you <laughs> if you're enjoying this <laughs> yeah please you know <laughs> yeah it's a interesting um, dynamic you don't you yeah. don't want to be like that preacher like oh please buy me a coffee but then you do want to have also someone like, support you yeah yeah anyway i'll keep i'll keep putting the content out there and obviously after blogging you went to your group tours which are like very cultural so you mentioned georgia slovenia poland just those three countries at the minute yes i wish there were so many more um but the way i i did the first one in 2019 and it sold out like in an hour when i put it oh, up wow. i do cap it at 12 people because i wanted to stay intimate ah, that's, the, that's uh, the golden that's the golden number i've heard 12 yeah people. I, I, and it's funny because there's some popular tour companies and they're like small group tours no more than 24. i'm like <laughs> yeah how is that a small group <laughs> like <laughs> what i'm so confused by that like when i did my poland tour for instance i went i'd already been to poland before and i i knew i had i kind of start with either the area or the most amazing guide in the history of guides which i'm so lucky that all the women i work with are just wow um will just blow you away but with poland my guide maggie she's an anthropologist she's uh oh, wow. she's been a guide for nat geo in the past so she and I, in October, I came back to Poland and she and I drove like 1800 kilometers, 3000 miles in a little less than a month and scouted everything. So when I say, when I create these tours and they're very person to person, they're very off the beaten path. Um, we would sit at night in the hotels that we would thought might be a pro you know, appropriate for the tour. Again, it all has to be like locally owned because yes. we want to bet, we want to go somewhere we want to bring people to a place that actually positively impacts a local mm -hmm. community. So, and we would be there at night and there was a couple of things we really were like must haves. And Maggie would look on like Google earth and she's like, okay. Cause one of the things that Polish have a lot of like little vacation houses in the forest and yep. she would look and see if she could find like a community community of, and she's like okay and then we would off road to these places and knock <laughs> on their doors and be like and we found a woman who it appeared that she had some sort of goat farm oh, always comes back to your street yeah and um she did not speak any english but she spoke french and polish and maggie was able we talked to her for about a half hour she started sharing some of her the kefirs and the cheeses that she makes and you know she also turns out she um directs the local choir and she's uh, the community organizer for all the um the arts and so we've set up for my tour that we go there we're going to have this amazing lunch featuring a lot of her goat cheeses we get to meet the goats and then we have the artists of the community like painting or showing their crafts i mean it's absolutely nothing you would ever 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 get mm -hmm. to do even if you went to poland on your own and i share some of this because you know when we go back to talking about how much time and effort these things really take to create like that was a month of my time it all comes in my own pocket in a way what i'm doing you know and sometimes people will say oh this is more expensive than you know i'm used to i understand but it's also i'm making sure i don't bargain with the community i give people their worth their i make worth, sure yeah. if anyone's included on my tour that it's a woman-owned female-owned business a family-owned business that i'm not you know bargaining with them i'm paying them but i've also spent months of my time physically going there to ensure that you're getting one of the most authentic off the beaten path culturally connected tours that you're ever going to get to a place and 
you know, I've just saved you how much time you didn't stay at a hotel that like some of the ones we did where it was like, <laughs> oh no, you know, you didn't, you're not going to have any misses. Everything that is all is now made it to this final tour is going to be just one of the highlights of your experience. And so that I can't really add more than one tour a year because I personally have to go scout these things, you know? So, and then the pandemic just completely wiped 2020 oh, yeah. off the map. I had uh, my tours to Slovenia and then Georgia. I still had to cancel Georgia in 2021 um, because they, the vaccination, the vaccination rate was low. They had a massive surge. Mm -hmm. I had to cancel that tour, you know? So it's been, it's grown slower than I wanted because the entire world has grown slower than we could yeah. the last few years, you know? So yeah. I'm always trying to add a new place every year, but I also am physically on the tours right now mm -hmm. with people. And so that also takes a lot of time, but at this moment in time, it's, I'm so happy to, to do that, but I will have to get to a point where you're still going to have the best trip ever. And my guys are so good. You don't need me. Yes. But I still need to grow to that point. Yeah. I guess that's where all tour companies start. Right. And it's great to hear how you created a tour. Uh, that, that, that was going to be one of my questions about how did you yeah. even go about putting this tour together for people? And it's, it's crazy that you spent a month traveling 3000 miles. I even had like with uh, I added up everything from my Fitbit. We walked yeah. 81 miles on foot during this time as well. But I, I mean, I do this for every single country. There are some tour companies that just kind of put together whatever the the tourism board gives them, you know, maybe they'll do some scouting and, and it's, it's fine. There, the, the beautiful thing is there's something for everyone out there, mm. but if what you want is not a, a bucket list highlight, get the t-shirt, yeah. you know, if you want to really dig into a culture and, you know, I split our groups into small, you know, like two or three, we break into small groups and then we go eat dinner at locals homes and they, you know, and of course we, financially compensate people for their time and their effort to go buy groceries and they cook these meals for two or three people wow. and they sit there and they That's talk amazing. all night and they feel like they've just spent time with friends yeah. and they really get to know the culture on a level which again goes back to igniting radical empathy to go oh now i know about the these you know these families in poland and i'm just i feel so i feel such a connection to this country and now i'm so invested in what happens and you know if there's anything i can ever do to support or help i'm here you know, so it's like I, I that's sort of one of my missions, you know, is this is this human connection. Because I also get so scared that we're losing it through our phones. So to be back oh, in person. Crikey. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely <laughs> I, is. <laughs> I might ask a question about it, but we'll, we'll go high level because you can go a whole podcast with that. I know. <laughs> my, my question for the tour is, is it available for all types of travelers? So do you take. Is it male and female travelers who come on your tours? Is it different age ranges? Like what is it open board for anyone? Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. It's not exclusive whatsoever. In fact, again, another one of my values is inclusivity. Yeah. Um, the, I, the only thing that what's funny is I've so far, it's only ever been women. Okay. And I, I don't, I, I'm always saying men are invited. I also find, and you know, present company excluded, but as a generalization, women tend to be more adventurous than men. Mm. And you know, I know so many women, they're just like, ah, my husband had no desire to come to a country where he didn't know wow. the food or the, or the language. <laughs> and I know all the traveling guys that are out there are like, but that's not me. And it's not all men, but <laughs> it's funny. I'm always like, where are the men? Um, but I, you know, I've had women like from the early twenties to their seventies, it's more of like, um, 
the commonality is in the mindset mm. and it's people who have that curious spirit, people who are okay with leaving their ego at the door, people yeah. who don't get offended in um, cultural situations where they might disagree even, but they're just open to the experience. The, you know, the thing is we do have, um, I always include hiking. I try to make sure that, yeah. you know, for us, we, I want to not only have the person to person experience, but the, the really connect with the, the landscape of a place. So if you go to the Caucasus, you're going you to, you're going to have to be in the mountains. Yeah. If you go to yeah. Slovenia, you're going to have to hike along the Socha river. You're going to have yeah. to, you know, these, these things, even in Poland, we go to the sand dunes on the beach. They're mm. just stunning. And, and those things, you know, I do advise that it's for people with a, a maybe medium kind of intermediate mobility situation because we do a lot of walking tours. We do hiking. So it, it's inclusive of those of people that are, are able to enjoy those experiences because safety is also something. I want everyone to feel safe sure. and comfortable. So I want you to know ahead of time, you know, we will be doing quite a bit of walking and a little bit of hiking. I cannot believe no males come on your, on your tours. What's that right? about? I don't know. I might have to be I the really... first one now you said that. <laughs> Bloody hell. What is going I don't on? know. I'm always like, where are you guys? I don't know. Don't be intimidated, males. <laughs> I know. No. And you know what? As long as you're like a cool guy who knows how to be like in a group of women, every one of my trips, it's funny, 90% of the time, sometimes the entire tour, it's all solo female travelers. They mm. do not even know anyone when they show up. Yeah. And everybody becomes best friends by the end. Sometimes Absolutely. by day one. So, you know, as long as you're great, like, and everyone is just, oh my goodness. I guess I'm so lucky because I attract the most amazing travelers and everyone is so much fun and so inclusive and they take care of one another on their free time. You know, they're like, Hey, do you want to go to lunch? You know, like they're, I don't know why guys wouldn't want to show up. There's just, just like such a good time. I think, it's the, I think, I think it is the ego thing. You know? I think, um, I think so. When I was in Australia, I was talking to my friend the other day who came on to talk about our trip to uh, we went six months as backpacking and in Australia, we went on this tour. It's called the uncle Brian's tour. It's in Cairns. And you go up to the, the waterfall where Pia Andre done the whole music video for one of his songs. But if you don't know that L'Oreal done an advert on TV for the hair, when you flick the hair up, it's, uh -huh. that, it's that waterfall. And anyway, okay. we, we got involved as this me and him and the rest of the women and the, the tour guide at the end, he got off. He said, oh, guys, like, I really thank you for doing that. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, so many guys come on this tour and they realize it's like female dominated. They don't get involved. They don't like loosen up. I'm like, what? He goes, but you guys got involved in all the games. You connected with everyone. I was like, yeah, of course. Like, he goes, I said, I couldn't believe that doesn't happen. He goes, yeah, you'd be surprised that they, they think they're too cool. Or I was like, I couldn't get my head around it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. a whole other either philosophical. I would love to have a panel with, um, <laughs> you know, like gender people who are specialists in gender studies. Like, yeah. I mean, I have all my own opinions. Um, based on 25 years of travel and yeah. knowing so many women and knowing the men that they've left at home and those type of men. And I, I, I mean, I could spout off all day about it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I really do appreciate when, you know, like my husband's one of those people, like he loves being at a disadvantage in another country. If that's the way to say it, like he doesn't mind that he can't speak the language. He doesn't yeah. mind. It doesn't, he doesn't get. Like I need to be in charge here and I need to be able to mm. tell people that this is what's happening. He's just like, okay, I don't know the language. This is fun. You know, yeah, like he's, with, exactly, yeah. but he's, he makes a fool of himself quite regularly. So yeah, that's key. No I'd happily do that. It. So yeah. 
if I was on one of your tours, I'd happily make a fool myself. I wouldn't even think about it. <laughs> one thing we I did not ask you about, and I can't believe I've not even asked, is you an actor? You, you are an actor. You went to LA. No, yeah. Very I briefly. still am. I yeah, still, still am an actor. Okay. Yeah. What well, can you just tell us quickly what that what it's about? Like what you're in? What, what have you been in? If anyone situation? knows me at all, it would be uh, as one of my most well-known roles. I played Jenny Ryan on ABC's Castle. It was uh, it ran for eight years. Um, from what, like 2009 to 2016. And I came in um, season two. And uh, that was uh, was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I played uh, Detective Kevin Ryan's wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you if you watch that show, you might remember me from giving birth in an ambulance next to a burning building that my husband was <laughs> okay. trapping. Um, okay. But yeah, so I also did, uh, I recently did a, a movie for Lifetime. That was called uh, "Stalked by My Husband's Ex." Um, oh, okay. I, I may or not may not be one of the titular characters there. <laughs> um, oh, there's a, a show in, a, in the United States. Actually, I think it's in Europe as well, called Nine One One. Oh, um, and I was in a yeah. couple episodes of that yeah. last year. Um, so yeah, it's still I love it. It's it's funny. It's like somehow for me, like acting and traveling are not mutually exclusive. Like I'm always that intersection of mm. the storytelling almost, you know, yeah. the idea of, you know, I, again, the wizard of Oz, like that was a movie that inspired me to travel. Um, mm. And I think we do get inspired by movies and TV shows, things like that. So I, I feel like there really is like a, they go hand in hand for me. So I, I love them both dearly. I can't imagine my life without either one. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know those TV shows, which is, quite bad of me but I'll check no, them out. no 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 <laughs> it's okay there's too many tv shows now like how can you possibly keep up like travel there's so many things right yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I, feel, I feel like in covid I, I completed tv though almost i mean covid when you yeah, can go you anywhere didn't. i didn't, <laughs> didn't watch your shows <laughs> do i have access to them i don't know I, where would you find like uh, castle for example what network is that on uh castle what i think it is now on hulu hulu okay um i want to say and also lifetime bought it recently if okay. i'm not mistaken so okay. you should be able to stream it on either one of those. Yeah. And Lifetime, my mov- Lifetime movie is on Lifetime Movie Channel. So you yeah. can watch that anytime. It's a good ride. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to just circle back to your blog and your website to make sure people know where, where can we find it. So where can we find you for your blog and your tours? So everything is under the same exact name. It's Clever Dever Wherever. So cleverdeverwherever.com. And right when you go there, you can just click tours and you can see everything that's still available. Um, if you go to my Facebook page, there's always a, it's an amazing community there. There's always so much happening. I also do my season for my live shows or when I'm not traveling. So yeah. I have my, it'll be my next like season two won't be until the fall of 2022. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram, clever, Dever, wherever okay. you can find the tours, all of that are linked in all of my bios. And I'll put in the show notes, all the links to your Perfect, social yeah. media handles and your website so people can access them pretty easily. Excellent. Are your blogs still available to read that you've done previously? Yeah. yeah There's yeah. still quite a bit of great information there. I mean, obviously, I don't have the bandwidth to go back and double check everything. But sure. my blogs and the places I've traveled, the things that I, I had a mix between the long form narrative, the humor, the humor writing. And then I would do posts like very specifically rating restaurants, hotels, experiences that I did in each town and even quick glance guides 
So, you know, mm-hmm. like what kind of outlet do you need? What kind of currency? Um, a lot of photos for inspiration. All of that is still there. And all of it's still, I think, an excellent resource for travelers. Just check that it's still open. Some yeah. of it still is and some of it's absolutely worth doing. So I still would suggest like uh, checking it out. It's it's pretty comprehensive. Okay, that's great. Awesome. And now we're going to finish overall with our quick fire travel questions. Hey, yeah. Just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I have added in that travel must-haves feature. To my Patreon, you can sign up for £4, $7.50 Canadian, US dollars a month. And this will give you an extra bonus episode per month. Ad-free content, 24 hours early access to the episode. You can get a Patreon shout-out. I can also maybe get some ad-hoc podcast episodes that I might release during the month. And you'll also get some free stickers that I'll send to you in the post. If you're interested in that, head to patreon.com and forward slash winging it travel podcast and you'll find me there. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5 or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Tee Public, where there's plenty of merch available to buy such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify pod chaser or good pods also you can find me on social media on instagram twitter facebook and tiktok simply just search for winging it travel podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling podcast and other stuff thank you it's travel question time so these are your favorite things but okay. I do have a question from someone who wrote in, who asked on Instagram, and someone said, who's called Stanakatic, JT, on Instagram, mm-hmm. said, will you travel to Asia like Singapore? Uh, w- yeah. I mean, and I wonder sometimes if people think I don't go to Asia, because I've been to Korea and Japan and Mongolia. Mm. Uh, absolutely. I just, I think because I started specifically curating tours in Eastern Europe, my time and money, I don't have time to go anywhere else right now. Mm. So, but... Yeah, of course. I love Asia. I love it. I yeah. just, I can only be so many places at once Indeed. in a year. Yeah. And also you can't do two countries at once. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. You do <laughs> continents. It's very hard. <laughs> if you could, that'd be great. Okay. So my travel questions, I'm going to start with, you've been to, I think was it 60 countries-ish mm-hmm. around that figure. So three countries that you've been to, tell the people that they should go to, what three countries would they be? Isn't this hard for everyone when you say this? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, mix. It's a mix. Okay. Because I really fall in love with every place I go to on yeah. some level. Um, definitely Georgia. Absolutely yeah. Georgia. Uh, like, like I feel like I'm just going to say the countries that I uh, travel to for uh, for my tours because I, I'm so attached to them right now. Mm. Uh, Slovenia, I think people are finally, it's on their radar. But is. that place yeah, is... Definitely such a gem and uh and let's see where can i go that's um and not one of my tour places um everybody already knows about portugal and everybody loves it with good reason um i also i really love japan really oh, love yeah. japan i actually really love korea too <laughs> <laughs> and then like northern argentina is really great <laughs> oh, did, did, did you go to salta I did. I did. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. Salt is interesting. I love Salta. And then I yeah. like went up into the Andes and yeah, stayed yeah. in the back of a restaurant at like 16,000 feet. It's, yeah, yeah. It's I, high up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I'll, I'll accept those. Yeah, it's four or five <laughs> Sorry, there. Sorry, I can't. No, no, we'll, we'll take it. Yes, yeah, fine. 
What about three countries that you've not been to that's on your hit list? Well, I keep trying to get to the Baltics, Estonia, Lithuania, oh, yeah. Latvia. Mm. I have had tickets for them again and again and again, and then pandemic. And then, yeah. So I'm, I mean, there's so many, but I'm going to, those are my hit list right now. I need to get to them. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> so those three there, isn't it? Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good region. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about a favorite beach that you've been to? Oh, wow. It's funny because I'm really not a beachy person. And yet I've been to so many beaches. Um, a favorite beach. I think maybe still um, in Bora Bora. I think that oh, was a very there. magical wow. moment just with the sunset. And you really do have a sense that like with that Tom Hanks. Wilson. Yeah. Wilson. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I'm, I really am nowhere, mm. you know, like, and I don't mean like you're very specifically somewhere, but you finally feel like you might be far enough away from people. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> all right, they'll never find me here. <laughs> Amazing area. Like, cause I've been to Cook Islands, mm. probably not as um, maybe mainstream as Bora Bora. But equally as good, like yeah. Please, like you, you just have to go and see the beaches there. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Do you drink coffee? Yes. Okay. Two questions here. You can pick one city in the world to drink coffee and watch the world go by. Where's that going to be? And second question is a country's favorite coffee. Mm, 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 mm. I had an iced coffee. I normally don't allow myself to have iced coffee, so I'm gonna zig just a little bit in Batumi, Georgia. There's a little coffee shop and I've had iced coffee before and, but I was shocked. It was, every sip was so good that I, every sip I had to say, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I did was take a sip and go, this is incredible. Take a sip. This is amazing. Um, Yeah. So I would have to say an iced coffee in Batumi at a very specific uh, coffee shop near the park. Um, In terms of where would I sip and watch the world go by? Gosh, there's so many. It's so hard to, to narrow it down. I'm so sorry. Like, um, it is nice to have a Turkish coffee in yes, Istanbul. Yes, answer. Istanbul there is, is a, a lot answer, of yeah. wonderful world going by. Yeah, I haven't been there, unfortunately. Hopefully this year. Yeah. Okie doke. And this will be quite a tough one. So I might give you three, actually. Oh, God. Um, just generic. Name three cities that you love that you've been to. Um, well, Amsterdam. Yeah, I love Amsterdam so very much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna also say Kyoto. Oh, great! Is that city. really a city? It yeah. is. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. What wow. a place! What a place! And then I'm trying to spread the love around because there's so many cities. <laughs> I really did enjoy Rio de Janeiro, but I other cities and also, I mean, how do you not say Paris? But most popular answer. Uh, well, uh, for a reason. Again, you're like, yeah, it's oh, it's so scene. mainstream, no, whatever. No, like, no, it's you could. I lived there for, you know, a little, a short while, and it never gets old. It's so mm-hmm. amazing. So I feel like that's a super mainstream answer. But I'm not gonna try to be like, I'm not gonna be try cool. to be esoteric <laughs> just to be cool. And yeah. it's, it's it's a yeah. good city for a reason. Okay, that's fine. What about for the rest of your life? One view. So this can be either the mountains like behind me. Uh, a beach, the wild plains in Africa, a city, wherever. One view. I am going to say Sintra, Portugal, where my house is. And uh, Oh, wow, really? Okay. Have yeah. you been there? No, I've been to Portugal, but not Sintra, no. Wow. Um, because you get palm trees, yeah. you get the Atlantic Ocean, you mm-hmm. have a mountain, and you have an old fort, you have a whimsical castle, you have the <laughs> palace. Like, it has everything it has magic it has water it has mountains like 
you just sit there and the sun bounces off these colorful homes and buildings. And you're just like, is this real life? Like it's, that's why I think that's why I got a place there. Yeah. That's why you chose that, right? Wow. It's a magic place. Needs to check it out. Okay. Yeah. My list, an ever-growing list. Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What about a favorite walk or trek? Mm, I might have to go with something recent, and that might be like along the Socha River, um, even Vintgar Gorge in Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Those waterfalls, the water, it's just so peaceful. It's amazing. What about a favorite party place? See, I make parties everywhere I go. Yeah, you sound like portable it, yeah. speakers. <laughs> yeah, you take your speaker and you get dance on tables. Yeah. That's right. Like, um, I'm trying to think of anything that's happened recently because uh, I'm thinking about like, oh, that time I was in Greece or, um, but I like I don't travel anywhere specifically to party anymore because I feel way too old to do that. I need to, I need to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> I feel like honestly, the parties these days are finding amazing friends and restaurants and having a glass of wine and breaking into song. So that's not a, like an Ibiza kind of thing. That's a okay. parties where you make it. Um, yeah. okay. It's too vague for people who are looking for a party, but sorry, just come over to my house. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> In LA. Okay, done. Cool. What about a favorite landmark? This can be nature or man-made. In the city of Tbilisi, mm-hmm. there is a statue. It is this incredible like indomitable woman made of like solid metal, silver. I don't know if it's steel or what it's plated with. It's huge. And it's on the, on the mountain that kind of looks down on Tbilisi. And um, it's, what is it? Cartless data. She's got a sword Oh wow! in one yeah. hand and she's kind of, kind of got it like in front of her abdomen. Yeah. And then she's holding a glass of wine because, you know, no, their, their blood is wine in Georgia. <laughs> and what I love about it is what it symbolizes is if you were here in, in hostility, the sword is for you. But we love guests and really we would prefer that you come as guests because the wine is for you. So I always kind of call it the... Um, the champagne for my real, my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. <laughs> like the statue of this woman, this mother Georgia is like, <laughs> you choose party or the sword. <laughs> yeah. Inter- interesting choice that. Yeah. Okay. This is arguably possibly the most important question is food or cuisine. So if you had to give uh, I'll give you two, actually. I normally give one. But... <laughs> You're like, I know she's not going to just I know, yeah, one. yeah. So two two of country's cuisines where you, you feel people might, must must try. All of them to be your favourites, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think everyone must say Italy because, like, they carbs. <laughs> it, with, <laughs> yeah. Again, there is a reason this comes up again and again. It is that good. It, it is, is that, that good. amazing. Yeah, and I will get really specific with you. If you go to Piemonte uh in in italy piedmont they have a pasta dish called tallarine and it's made mostly with egg yolks it's like something crazy like 20 or 30 egg yolks to a kilo of flour so it's golden deep rich and then they cook it with butter and then you get the shaved truffles on top just forget it forget (laughs) it like and then yeah if you're lucky you're eating it while you're looking at the vineyards and it's just like it's so stupid like it makes me mad (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know, sticking with the carb theme, no, the, and cuisine, I'm going to go back to Georgia. There's a reason that I take people there and it's, it's an, one of the best cuisines, kind of like Greek. Um, it's 
fabulous for vegetarians because they they're it's a very agrarian society the soil is mm-hmm. very rich it's um it's kind of a very italian in that there are their vegetables are so like flavorful and so mm-hmm. they're just like they're so ripe and delicious and and also they don't eat meat on religious holidays which is about 200 days a year so they oh, wow. really wow. know how to make incredible vegetable dishes where they play with textures and you know like i was telling you before about like the walnut paste like they emulsify mm. walnuts and add garlic but then put the piquancy of a of a pomegranate seed and roll it up in a wood-fired eggplant slice and so you know like they have wow. this like vegetables is just a delight and then they have the world's greatest dish the kachapuri which is that okay. wood-fired gondola with the cheese inside and mm-hmm. the, the the wood-fired bread i mean george's cuisine is so amazing it's also like a, it's a country you never hear, is it? In terms of cuisine. Yeah. Like no one would even, probably even heard of what you just said there. And they're yeah. like, oh, it's, right, It okay. can be a bit under the radar, but yeah, wow, yeah. is it? Wow. You can't go wrong in any Georgian restaurant. Just, it's so good. Wow. Okay. You are putting Georgia, you keep pushing <laughs> up the list. <laughs> okay. And if you want to travel like a local, come with me and meet my yeah, yeah, friends I, and I, eat at their house I'll and try the their wine. On the trip. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to know the locals. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. Oh, yeah, to have to go. Yeah. <laughs> if you could live in one country that you've not lived in before, where are you going to live? Oh, so just like pick it blind. Um, and it can't be any of the ones I've already lived in. No, no, because so. no, you've already done that. I got to like, pick maybe one that's like it's just like just a thing in your mind somewhere. Go that I haven't lived in. <laughs> I don't have it. Like I feel like I've either lived in it or I've already. I mean, uh, um, okay, let's. I, I actually wouldn't mind. And then I'm like, my my ADD brain is like bouncing over here and bouncing. <laughs> what about this? Fran- like, I always really wanted to live in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. Holland. Yeah. 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 Or Netherlands. Yeah. I Fran- love the Dutch. I love them so much. Very progressive. <laughs> like, they're, I think in Europe, they're kind of known for having those progressive ideas, right? They're pushing them forward all the time. Yeah. And they get things going, you know, properly. Yeah. yeah and so blunt. I yeah. love it. It takes you aback. You're like, like, I don't know if you watched Ted Lasso. Did you watch Ted Lasso? Oh, cinema, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so when they have the Dutch character in season two, like, if you don't know that, you don't understand why it's funny what he says, because yeah. he's a bit brutal. Every time he says anything, I'm just la- hysterically <laughs> laughing, because I get it. Uh, like, oh, my God, the Dutch, this is just, it's such, he's so brutal. <laughs> Amazingly, Amsterdam is a 30-minute flight from my hometown. 30 minutes, just over so the water. Lucky. Crazy. And I've never been to Amsterdam, so there you go. That's oh a shame. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's glorious. Yeah, I need to go. Okay, what about a favorite lake? We've got a few more questions left. Uh, yeah, favorite lake. A favorite lake. People get surprised with this question, but I'm in Canada. Like those are lakes. Like people must have a favorite, maybe lake they want to go to and just camp there. And right, yeah, and it's like. I think something that you you start to get a bit of a, a blindness when you've been so many places, you know, like later on tonight, I'll be like, why didn't I say that lake? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of all of my lake experiences. And, uh, um, you know, I really I'm trying to think of some of the you know, do fjords count? Yeah, absolutely. Fjords, any fjords. Yeah. OK, I'm going to say that. And it's not Stavanger. Where did I always forget what fjord I went to? Um, but the other fjord, I'll uh, I'll text you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it always it irritates me that my mind goes blank. That 
this really so, fjords and like staying in a little tiny family owned inn right there and just kind of watching the sun, everything turn purple while you eat brown cheese. Like what's better than that? <laughs> what country is that in? Just... Norway. Norway Sorry, is Norway. Norway. Yeah, yeah, Norway. Okay, yeah. Norway fjords. Yeah. Uh, Dreamy. So really beyond. You're like, is this still Earth? Okay, I'll accept that. And okay, thank you. If you remember the name, I'll put it in the show notes if you remember yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, I will. I, I will get it and, and send it to you. Cool. And I'll send you my goat picture in reply. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about a country that's the best value for money, do you think? Well, maybe if you're on a bit of a budget, you think, oh, yeah, your money will go furthest there. These days, it's hard, it's harder and harder, right? Mm. Like, I remember, if and a lot of it is still just kind of getting out of the bigger areas or the tourist spots. But, you know, I remember Czech Republic. I mean, I don't think Prague is like that anymore at all. But if you're in some of the smaller areas in, in Czech Republic, some of the smaller cities, I felt like that was a pretty good value. Yeah, I'll say that for now. Okay, that's cool. And the penultimate question is, what era would you travel in? So what decade, if you can go and choose any decade you want, would you love to travel in? I really love Art Nouveau. Okay. So I, I think the Gilded Age might be pretty fascinating. I'm also a Titanic obsessed person. <laughs> I've traveled to every single Titanic destination and all of yeah. that. So I feel like before, right before that, like sometime, let's say like, you know, the 1890s to 1912, like in there. Okay. And yeah, that's the great exploration like the, age, isn't it? The Belle Epoque, like the mm. Gilded Age came next, I think. But yeah. Can you imagine like this, these unknown places that you're discovering? Like you can't imagine it because obviously we all know the places that, well, no, but like, you know, it's on the map, it's on the phone, right? Yeah. Um, in those days, you, you, you go on these like six month treks to get somewhere like, oh, wow, this is oh like somewhere God. we don't even named yet. This is like a place that no one's even living in. Like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, it. just see, yeah. I mean, there's definitely places that the people who live there are like, hey, we, we've already known about this place. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, uh, you're new here, right? Yeah. So- <laughs> So this place exists, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think what would be fun about it is not kind of knowing about it before you get there. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to yeah. take off and see mm. what's over here. Like, can you imagine that guy who went to Jordan and saw the, the Sikh and the, and Petra, yeah. I mean, clearly people lived there before that, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but, yeah. but people, they lost track of it. Like the yeah. known, the, the known antiquities, the things of the world they'd lost track of to, so to kind of uncover it and probably people who still live there were like, Hey, did you really have to tell everybody? Like, yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Now to me, tourists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Last question for this podcast episode, which I ask okay. all my guests is it's kind of double, double question in one really like, what is the purpose of travel? And also if you're maybe listening right now, it's thinking, oh, I just don't know where to go traveling or not, especially if they're like maybe American as well. Like what words would you give them in terms of wisdom and a bit of advice of why they should go? I mean, I think the purpose, uh, you know, the purpose of travel is to become a more expansive human being. I mean, this is our planet. We should go see it. And also we share it. So, you know, let's meet everyone and learn from each other and care about one another. But, you know, travel is only as deep as the connections that you make when you do it. So, you know, I always suggest if you can if this doesn't give you too much anxiety you know because i understand that but just strike up conversations 
you know, like sit down at a local pub and, you know, or a restaurant and where would you go? What, what would you do? This is your city. Do you mind if I ask like mm. what you, where you take your friends, the kind of things that I, I mean, I've actually made friends for life with a lot of people in a lot of countries. I'm so lucky because I can WhatsApp people and be like, Hey, you know, I need a, I, I need a recommendation or, Hey, it's a pandemic and apparently I need to, st- I need to stay the night in Zagreb to be allowed in. So do you want to go out to dinner? Like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like it, I really believe in, uh, yeah, there's a great value in getting off the grid or maybe spending time in a forest. But I think the most valuable things I've ever gotten from travel were connecting with other human beings. I just don't think there's anything, you know, you connect with your own humanity and you also see what you're made of, you know, that you can mm. do things. So I I just, I couldn't live without it. I think it's the cure for everything. (laughs) It gives you like, it sparks your imagination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It gives you courage. It helps you learn. It gives you humility to know there's other ways to do things. Like, I just don't, it's so important. Need empathy. Yeah, yeah. Especially in these modern times. So Gianna, thanks. It's been an awesome, intriguing chat. It's been such good fun. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate you making time for me. Wonderful. So nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, anytime. No worries. All right. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content and I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there reviewing it and enjoying the content so far stay safe stay humble keep listening keep traveling and I'll catch you soon cheers James